Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 88. Today we're talking I Am Katowice, Alex Leaves Vitality, Hunden Out of Mad Lions, Big Out of ESL, Flashpoint Starts Tomorrow, The Minor Qualifiers, Dreamhack Anaheim, and a whole lot of other stuff. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Code Zero. Flash oh, This is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the Truth? The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. Are we rushing in? Okay, this episode of the Truth CSGO podcast is coming to you live from downtown Atlanta. And um, there's a lot to get through and I'm jet lagged as all hell. So let's just smash into it. Firstly, the saint who gave me a Reddit award for my last thrilling expose of the scandalous grammar and quite frankly, unbelievable amount of amnesia contained within Zeus's autobiography. Uh, deserves a thank you from me. To the unhappy person who then accused me of giving it to myself, I can only assume such a preposterous idea occurred to you because you yourself had attempted it uh, at some point. Really, because no one no one who's sane, no sane person would ever really consider that that sort of a thing was possible. And I may be, may be full of shit. Uh, long-term, long-term listeners would know how much shit actually I am full of. Um, but I'm pretty sure I'm sane. And I can't usually say that with much confidence, but this week has found me able to consistently resist running to the supermarket when it opens and buying all the toilet paper they have. And I think, considering at some point that my housemates and I were a few squares away from having to wipe our bums with leftover pizza cartons, but I think I did pretty well keeping it together. I am Katowice has just occurred, at least... Uh, relative to the last podcast um, if you were under a rock Navi won it Simple got the MVP these guys beat G2 in a totally one-sided finale it was uh, 3-0 and it was a bit of a smash and this is despite G2 looking pretty damn good coming into it Navi are now eligible for the Intel Grand Slam uh, no audience were allowed to watch the actual event in the Spodic Arena because of the flu um, and uh, it's difficult to know exactly what is causing this flu. I'm not going to go into it too much, but basically, apparently, it's a new type of flu concocted in a Russian lab, flown into a food market in Wuhan clan, all 38 chambers of it, or 36, actually, I think it is. Uh, it was syringed up a monkey's butt. That monkey then 69 to snake and bit a bat's head off, and the blood spurted into the open mouth of a homeless man nearby who then ran around stealing people's toilet paper. Navi are now ranked number one ahead of Australis by the PP of a Bumblebee. Australis really had some of their worst losses in here um, to Navi, actually. And the big disso in this tournament for me was FaZe. They didn't have an easy time of it. Unfortunately, seemed to have lost a bit of that momentum from Blast. We saw them looking uh, pretty peak FaZe back then. Uh, Mouseports 2, who they tied with, uh, didn't quite seem to have the uh, confidence they had at the end of last year. Surprise, surprise, Fnatic were looking pretty good. They tied third and fourth with Australis. Poor old Tyloo here were looking pretty hopeless in their new Bentet free state. And Renegades, or Renegrays, as they should really be known, bombed out against FaZe and Fnatic and came dead last. I don't know why these guys don't have a coach yet. Apparently they're trying to get one. Crazier to me that they don't have one yet. It could be because no one wants to work for Renegades right now with allegations of assholery at the top and employees leaving left, right, and also centre-left and centre-right and a little further left still. And what used to be considered right, but with the current climate, is basically centre. Vitality really couldn't keep themselves together here at this tournament. And perhaps it is this result that has prompted Alex leaving Vitality. Alex has left Vitality. 
The IGL has cited what he says is an unhappiness with how much they traveled last year and have stated the fact that they didn't seem to be able to lessen the amount of travel days this year despite having agreed uh, to plan for it this year. This seems a little sus to me, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's been replaced by a guy called Mizuta. He's a 17-year-old kid who has had some success with frag movies. He got invited to FPL and one imagines now finds himself in a top 10 team partly because of the success of Brolan Brokey and other literal children who have been yanked from their classrooms and playgrounds for the purposes of clicking on some people's heads on a computer screen. Uh, he is, of course, French. At the end of last year, according to HLTV, he helped Viva Algeria to book a spot at the WESG finals via the African Close Qualifier, boasting a tournament high of 1.29 in the ratings. Uh, so that could maybe be what really takes vitality over the edge. Uh, where should Alex go? Um, well, why? To Envy, of course. They would never uh, spend any time traveling because they never qualify for anything, um, which is actually not as true as when I wrote that gag uh, last week because they actually qualified for the uh, America's Minor. Apex is another captain of Vitality, whatever that means. I think it's probably pretty good, actually. I quite like uh, Apex. And I think he's going to be a good captain because he seems like the kind of guy, especially at this point in his career, who's going to be good with the younger players. Um... So Mizuta might be coming in at exactly the right time. Let's move on to the leagues. Now, ESL and Flashpoint are beginning very shortly. In fact, Flashpoint begins Tomo. They are actually overlapping, as we reported they might do earlier on in the year, for God knows what reason. ESL has scooped basically all the good teams and all the teams they had invited, which is, I think, all of, if not, um, well, most of, if not all of the top 10. Um, Flashpoint actually had the uh, team seating moments today where they televised or streamed the teams sort of seating each other and picking which teams they wanted to face and which teams were going to be in which groups. And actually, I love this. Uh, I love this idea. I think getting a lot more mileage out of the players is a cracker of an idea to start off with. And in fact, some of the f- players are far more confident than the talent we've seen already in this first sort of taster uh, for Flashpoint, especially Monte Cristo. Uh, if you're not aware of who Monte Cristo is, he's a, been a caster in the past for League of Legends and Overwatch and was also one of the founders of Renegades. Uh, I'm not quite sure how he was so damn awkward in this first little um, display of Flashpoint. It's like he'd never sort of been in front of a camera. And I'm not saying that I could do a better job, but there are better options than this guy surely out there. Luckily, Semler picked up all the slack. And I think overall, this for a first showing and for a first sort of tester at at making the seeding content, this was a buddy success. Um, In general, you know, some of the players are probably less good than others. You've got Bubsky telling people that they're retarded on stream, which is not, uh, not so PC these days. But it is basically a bunch of nerds for the most part, and they're not really showmen. People like Taco have been good. Nifty was good. Smoothie was good. But some of these guys were pretty damn awkward, especially when the swapping of teams came in because there is a certain amount of thought that goes into it. Um, it's basically sort of like a, a team veto, and it has to happen in real time. I'm not sure why the production is allowing people like Exist to be on stage instead of uh, Forrest, for instance, or Get Right or Freiburg, far more charismatic uh, people in Dignitas. Um, you know, a few of those other players have actually smiled in the last four years. So there's a long way to go with this format, and there was a bit uh, a bit of hot miking going on, um, continually passing the mics around to the players to ask for their comment on things. Got a little bit tiring, but all in all, promising start for these guys. Now, further into uh, the uh, league news, 
Heroic have been bought by an org called Fun Plus Phoenix. Heroic, the Danish organization, are now owned by Fun Plus, Fe- Fun Plus Phoenix for reportedly around 1.8 million US dollars. That's according to Nell, the French uh, CSGO journalist. This means that Heroic have now pulled out of ESL uh, and have bought into, or Heroic, uh, I should say, Fun Plus Phoenix, have bought into Flashpoint, and Big have decided to pull out of Flashpoint, which they qualified for, and hop over back to ESL, rubbing their greedy hands, sticky with the jam of being part of the popular majority. Because let's face it, we've heard the terms for players are far better in Flashpoint. Uh, they've assured us they're going to deliver the kind of content we've all been waiting for. Yet almost unequivocally, the uh, top teams basically all looked at each other using the Kriegs and thought, wait a second, if they're doing it, I guess I should. Wait, sorry, whoops. No, no, I meant to say they looked at each other sticking with ESL and thought, wait a second, if they're staying, I guess I should too. Uh, if other teams are buying massive amounts of toilet paper, they must know what's going on. They must have some sort of knowledge I don't. Uh, and if they don't, and we all turn out to be wrong, at least I won't be out here on an iceberg by myself. I can say it was the best thing at the time. We couldn't have known what was happen, what was going to happen. We, could, we couldn't know how bad the coronavirus could get. We didn't know how Valve would uh, nerf the Krieg if they ever eventually did. Anyway, Fun Plus Phoenix is not actually a vibrator that you can fit in your change purse. They're apparently a Chinese org who've had success with the League of Legends team, which I find kind of weird. I mean, there's been quite a few of these in the last six months, but it's kind of like the way... Um, well, the way esports works is, is kind of, it feels unique in this space right now. Because can you imagine if Liverpool were like, we won the Champions League, let's branch out into some netball. We've, we'll pick up some sort of middle-of-the-pack team, we'll chuck some change at them, we'll have some meetings in a metallic HQ in a shared block in a business park on the outskirts of Bumfuck City. We'll impress them with our sponsorship with Mammy Noodles. We'll win the World Netball Championships right off the bat and then slowly lose interest because we don't understand anything about netball. Anyway, Flashpoint have finally assembled all the teams participating and not a moment too soon. One can only assume Thorin was wringing his handles, dancing on his toes backstage right up until the last possible momo on this one because they didn't actually manage to get any top 10 teams here. We've got Cloud9, we've got MIBR, we've got Gen G, Team Envy, Contact Gaming, who of course used to be crazy, uh, Mad Lions, Dignitas, Orglus, Chaos, Havu, Fun Plus Phoenix, and Copenhagen Flames. So originally, Flashpoint said they were going to have 10 teams pay $2 million and then two would qualify, but they apparently couldn't find enough teams who could pony up the cash and ended up just inviting Chaos and Havu, who came third and fourth in the qualifiers. Uh, I'm not actually that surprised. I think it's a lot of liquidity for a Boneyard Tier 3 org to have lying around. Sure, for a top 10 team, you would imagine they've got 2 mil cash, but for, say, Havu, I'm not sure. Uh, This makes me wonder how they're going to cook the books now on this one. Obviously, their financial plans haven't worked out. Maybe they're going to be taking a leaf out of Sonic & Co. uh, back at ATK and start a GoFundMe. And uh, if they're thinking about how they should go about it, here's how I think they should. They should get a sad little kid and maybe some sort of petting zoo-level animal, maybe a baby goat, make up a story about how the kid and the goat invited the whole class or the whole petting zoo to their birthday party and called it Flashpoint because they were big CS fans and then no one showed up. And have footage of the kid and the goat wandering around the studio crying or bleating, you know, whatever sort of thing. Uh, Put some captions on it and basically some shit acoustic guitar from Audio Jungle and Bob's Your Uncle. Take the leftover crash from the windfall, buy majority shares in Australis, and force all Australis players to wear masks of each other's own faces at the next major so that when they host the trophy for an historic fourth time, host the trophy, hoist the trophy for an historic fourth time, no one knows who is who except for Device because the seas will have parted for him, so we'll all know. We will know. And a little shout out there to the second coming of Christ. It's crazy that he ended up playing computer games. It should be noted that Orglus 
the um, team run by FNS, and despite this misleading name, actually don't have an org, <laughs> and yet still manage to qualify for this one over some much more established teams. They are, of course, FNS, as I said, and his merry band of NA misfits, including this podcast's winner for most mysterious shooting of self in foot, a.k.a. Wardell. He won the inaugural prize in 2019. He was plays at Summit last year as part of the Ghost uh, lineup. Was it last year or 2018? Anyway, they should have been enough to get him on a top 10 team, so what the hell has he done behind the scenes to negate that? Also, Sub Rosa, whose name by now is so synonymous with the team with the term "suspicious clips," I'm almost tempted to request a more iconic duo from you, dear listener in the abstract. Not that Sub Rosa's cheating, or that anyone has ever cheated in the CS:GO pro scene, or that cheating is even a thing, or even a noun in the English language. What are we talking about? Oh, Orglis. They're going to get twenty-five thousand dollars a month for winning these qualifiers, which, as, as FNS said, means they're not going to have to bend over for any old org who may want to pick them up. It's unknown at this point what would happen in the event that these guys come last in the league because it was reported that teams who drop out of the top 20 rankings will be fined $100,000 per month until they get back in. I don't even know if there's... How many of these teams are even in the top 20 at this point? I'm not sure. I'm not going to look it up. You look it up. One other wedge of brie worth smearing on a cracker is the fact that Hunden has been ejected from Mad Lions shortly before Flashpoint begins. Hunden. God Hunden. The man who, I guess, we assume is somewhat responsible for the recent rise of Mad Lions, has been kicked. Even creamier is that doing so has cost Mad Lions their spot in the minor because the bloke they are replacing Hunden with is Asilian, who I'm pretty sure had already played at the minor with Copenhagen Flames. So this is crazy. Kicked their IGL, lost a spot in the minor. Hunden came out and tweeted, With recent rumors circulating about my status with Mad Lions, I'd like to confirm that I have been in discussions about moving into a management role within the org. This is mutually agreed and makes more sense for me to begin the transition with the org ahead of Flashpoint. I'm very excited to share more information with you, but unfortunately it's still too early. We are in the process of finalizing the roster for Flashpoint and we will share more as soon as we can. That's not a bad Danish accent, I have to admit. Uh, here's the rub. Bubski had just tweeted the same day, however, which has been now deleted. Wasn't a coach decision. It was a team decision to remove Hunden CSGO. Sadly, things didn't work off the server. It's been a fun one-year ride with you, and I hope to see you success in whatever comes next for you. But here's the even bigger rub. Should I actually be reporting on what someone tweeted then deleted? I don't know if I feel great about it. This dude obviously didn't want it out there, and yet here I am telling more people about it. And yet that also is somehow just accepted as a thing people do when it's really none of our business why he's moving. HLTV said he was burned out. So whatever. There you have it. Once again, a team rises in a surprising fashion only to implode despite their newfound success for what one can only assume are personal reasons that must have been building long before these guys didn't really do that much at Katowice. Either way, I always thought the mad in Mad Lions meant angry. Now I see it probably just means insane. Um, actually, Bubsky featured a bit on uh, Flashpoint today, and he did give one the sense, with a few offhand comments about Hunden, that perhaps the whole meme about Hunden not being able to frag, which is basically pretty true, uh, became too much for the team. And look, here's what I suggest probably happened. They went, okay, he's not fragging. What's he contributing? Okay, what he's contributing is information that probably can come through a coach or a manager. Uh, that is what I imagine has happened here. By the way, I don't really care how much people shit on Ants for kicking uh, Alexi B. I'm not 
I'm not convinced that like the kicking of the IGL is something that these people should be like raked through the coals for for the rest of their careers. Uh, sure, like Ents have made me look like a global elite elite recently, but OG still haven't really impressed me. Um, so anyway, as I said, Mad Lions won't be able to play in the upcoming minor. Uh, so Complexity took their spot, which is a nice segue into the minors. But just before we get into that, the final and yet the most important piece of news about Flashpoint is that Guardian will be playing with Dignitas instead of Halzerk. Halzerk had a bit of a problem with his visa. So just excuse me for a moment while I cry tears of fan joy from several places in my body. I just cannot deal with how much I want to see this team. I cannot deal. It doesn't start until tomorrow, and already I'm like a kid at Christmas. Uh, This could possibly only get better if Pasha Biceps was somehow their coach or their water boy. Um, I also think Dignitas are looking like one of, if not the best team in Flashpoint. It's probably a toss-up between them and Gen G. And this league at this point could be Daps's to lose. Or perhaps Guardians, if uh, now that the uh, simple pressure tap isn't being applied regularly to his neck, might actually play like the Guardian we know and love. Fingers crossed. We're not going to do any transitions on this one because if we do any transitions, uh, I'm going to have to stop the podcast and I'm running on so little fuel right now. I do not trust myself to get this out tonight with any pauses so we're just going to smash on close qualifiers for the minor this will happen over the past couple of weeks we had some cheating accusations during the minor as per uh, this came from waterfalls who plays for extremum in the cis region i believe uh he was accusing specifically the team dope club with a name like that i'm really not surprised i couldn't watch the demo of these guys if you're interested in watching the demo get in touch because i've got it i just don't have cs on my laptop um while i'm away and and am for that reason unable to review the demo apparently it was pretty blatant someone uh get in touch and be the judge and let us know what you think cis minor we saw gambit youngsters windstrike spirit simon forza esparta hard legion unique go through some of the notable teams who didn't make it through were one win hell races and fbg hard legion of course are x dream eaters these guys have been quiet ever since they popped into the style out of major uh, and Unique, you might not know them. They're a Russian team. They've been around since fair, mid-2018, but they're a fairly new roster, a fairly new iteration of that roster. Now, the EU minor, we saw Fnatic, NIP, Complexity, Heretics, Dignitas, Godsent, Movie Star Riders, and... Um, oh, goodness me. Who was the other one? I've forgotten them. You're going to have to do the homework. Heretics. No, I said them. Anyway, Heretics with a big upset here. They crapped on OG and then Heroic to make it through. Uh, Blame F and Co. got another shot because the aforementioned self-immolation of actually mad lions. And they beat Sprout and Godsent. Everyone else, I think, in this list was pretty expecto. Dignitas played pretty well. Had some heavy games. They did go down to Fnatic in a derby but managed to come back. Uh, they didn't crap the bedules as some detractors predicted. Movie Star Riders was actually quite fun to watch and really nice to see them make it through because it looked like Major Finalist Steel was going to end up dying like the old man in that telly movie Christmas Every Day who just freezes to death on the streets one night because no one gives a shit. Uh, similarly, we saw Bolts make it through in the North American miners and also, who else we see? Oh, Hobbit. Hobbit's part of Windstrike, which sucks. It's cool to see some of those guys from the PGL still cracking on. Uh, Godsend, of course, they fought their way from a team called No Name last year to make it to the miners, which is great. I mocked them last year for having No Name. Uh, these guys definitely now have a fair bit of bite in the Tier 2 scene. Now, you're all complaining about the EU miners being too stacked. I'm talking about Nell specifically. And Asian teams like Tiger getting a slot at the miners when um, some much better, supposedly, EU teams do not get through. 
um, to people who are complaining about this, I say suck it up, up through a straw. Happy Father's Day. If those teams want to, they can move to Thailand. Seriously, move to Bangkok. It's not difficult. Set up a company through a local partnership, get all the players' work visas, bung them in a guest house and join the Asian miner that way. Actually, there is, of course, a case to be made for the fact that the best teams should be in attendance at the major. But I think at this point, we have two other prestigious tournaments, at least throughout the year, Cologne and Katowice. And so there's something really cool about the major being far wider in its initial spread, in the same way that an Olympics has a bit of that flavor. WSG, of course, has that, but it's kind of like the POV version uh, or the less prestigious version, I guess. Um, I think as well that that sort of mix, the different countries, the different teams, uh, creates a bigger possibility for an upstart story. Can you imagine if Tiger went through all the minor system and made it into the legend stage? Uh, if that happened, I would probably move to East Asia and do jazz ballet with the King of Thailand or whatever weird shit he does. One thing I did forget to mention uh, regarding the EU minors um, is that out of all the teams in that qualifier, OG probably had the most potential. Uh, they have a combined tier one experience that really should add up to progression at this stage, but they're just failing to gel, it seems. And another story there is the fact that Sprout didn't make it through. Oscar, therefore, continues his criminal slide into obscurity at the expense of complexity in Copenhagen Flames. Copenhagen Flames also now have Refresh. You last saw him, I think, probably notably on Cloud9. Now, the Asian miners uh, from Oceania, we had Renegades make it through. They struggled, but now they got there. So did Order. Tiger and Mazalai for East Asia. I don't actually know how to pronounce that. Mazalai. Tiger is, of course, a new Mongolian team. Uh, founded by Urkast. I think they were going to be called something else last year when he left Renegades to found them. A muzzleye who incidentally incinerated Tiger during the qualifiers is of course Machine Gun and Co. Machine Gun used to play for the Mongols once upon a time. And in that team, he gave the current 100 Thieves team an absolute drubbing at IEM Taipei back in 2016. It was even a team called Splice, a little old team you might remember before they merged, I think with Mad Lions, but Splice had back when he was playing for them, uh, Asilian and Daps. It was a very weird mix of players. Tyler Winvici, as per, made the qualies for China and Lucid Dream for Southeast Asia and Camel Rides for mid uh, Middle East. Now, this is expected for the Australian teams. Sad for Chiefs, who are in danger of becoming a talent farm for the other two teams. And always see to, sad to see Catman miss out on simply becoming a good team who happened to be called Catman. Now, Akus in the Middle Eastern qualifier actually forfeited their final game with Camel Riders because they were playing with 200 ping uh, the whole way through. Apparently, it's normal practice uh, in this scenario to switch servers halfway through the game so the other team then plays with 200 ping, but ESL, for some reason, ruled at the last minute that that was not going to happen. So I don't know what's going on there. One of the dudes from Akos was having a bit of a whinge about it, as he probably should have been. Um, and if you've heard anything from ESL, inform me. And I'll let listeners know. I'd just like to point out that there was a team in the China Close qualifier called Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. And there is an alternate universe out there where Sadikist screamed, give it up for your ESL 1 Rio Major Champions, Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. Uh, now in the America's minor, we had Boom, Furia, Triumph, Genji, Cloud9, Bad News Bear, Envy, and Red Canids make it through. Boom, if you're not aware, is an Indonesian org. They, got, uh, they bought INTZ. Uh, they now have Bolts and Phelps. And Red Cannons is, of course, FNX's latest chariot that shall bear him in all his allegedly cuckolding glory to the stage in Rio. These guys did beat out high-ranked teams, Shark and Sharks and INTZ, who are now Boom, of course. So that is impressive for those guys. Um, 
And as I said, Envy made it through here, and it's just in time for them, really. They were beginning to feel like that one aunt who turns up at Christmas after a divorce with lipstick smeared all over her face, two different coloured socks, and smelling suspiciously of cat food. But they did it, and Kallax especially put up a good showing. He's had a rough time since space soldiers imploded and Zantara's ran into the warm bosom of Mutti Merkel. But then again, so has Mihu. So these guys probably have something to talk about over beers at least. Good for them. Now, let's smash straight on to uh, DreamHack Anaheim. This was won by Genji. It's old news now. I am aware of this, but uh, I think last party only did day one. Now, I mentioned last episode, Genji should have really expected to win the whole thing, and I'm glad they did it. They faced Furia in the final, and it was a very close uh, matchup, actually. But uh, in the end, Genji just looked a little more disciplined. These guys beat Complexity, Forza, Furia, MIBR, North, and Ents. And it was their first tournament, or at least, uh, you know, came above them in the rankings. Now, the core of DAPS, Cooster, and Automatic have been together for a little while, but Som and Bentet haven't done a land with these guys before. And so we also have to remember uh, one of the crucial element is that Elmer Putty is the man behind the team right now. He's the Australian YouTuber. So this was a massive victory for Gen G and really gets them off to an amazing start. The kind of start you really would have liked to have seen for OG and perhaps expected to. Now, Som, a.k.a. Samo, or vice versa, he got the MVP. He got 50 kills in the two maps of the grand final. Considering his time on Envy didn't really impress, to come out so hard in his first land with this team really says a lot more about where Envy was at in 2019. Also impressive, actually, here was uh, Kusta. Kusta had some real star players across the whole tournament. He even got the player of the tournament. Potter on the desk said that all his previous t- teammates have had nothing good to say about him, which wasn't my impression. Uh, no, no, wait, other way around. Potter did say that his teammates had nothing but good things to say about him. I have not heard some great things about him. I think you probably would have seen the interview with Simple, um, where he accused Kuster of basically not knowing how to play the game. But he looked very solid in this uh, final, and indeed the whole tournament. Automatic looked good on the AWP, sometimes a little too aggressive for his own skill, but solid nonetheless. And Bentet, aka Hansel Ferdinand, was looking so hot right now. He top-fragged in the semis against North and was solid all tawny. Now, Furia overall come back into our radar, which is very nice. There's something missing in the scene when they're not there. It was a slightly more subdued Furia. They're not as aggressive as they used to be, but I get the sense they're not also totally sure with how they're going to replace that aggression. Uh, all of their trade flags and dyads are working. Uh, we did also see some stanky flanks from Yuri and Vinny at times. And overall, these guys had a good tournament. They beat Endpoint, crashed North in best of ones, and then took down Complexity in a best of three, which I think was a result of some good reads and a lack of depth still on Complexity. Uh, now, there is a case to be made for calling them Yuria still. He's their star player these days in a way Caserato isn't. Um, Henny dominated pretty hard. Henny dropped the ball a bit in the final. Uh, he joined Fury in September last year. It's been a while. He hasn't really managed to turn their fortunes around really yet, but uh, fingers crossed they do. Speaking of complexity, as mentioned, they weren't really strong enough to beat Fury in the semis going down 2-1. They were actually fairly hefty maps, both going to the double digits, poisons continuing to go ham, but there is still a lack of cohesion on complexity that is worrying. I'm not quite sure what they've been doing with all the prep time they had. I think hype is one thing, but when you see Daps take the trophy, looking like he's just returned from a Buddhist retreat, you got to wonder what the best use of your energy is in this context. Complexity did complexity did take down MIBR in a best of one and then a best of three, but at this stage, that's not really the achievement it was once. MIBR managed to beat Ents 2-1 in a best of three, but that's even less of an achievement. Ents need to get on a steamership. Go into the Amazon, sit around a campfire with a shaman and drink from a bowl of dirty, dirty peyote at this stage. Really, just get involved. Get amongst it. Get out there. Deep in the jungle. Hack at some vines with a machete. Sip from a bowl. Land of the stars. Regress into a deep, deep ayahuascan trip. 
Speak to the snake lady, consult with the wolf spirits, twitch around, vomit into a bucket for 20 hours straight, be born again. Get born again through the vaginal canal of a holy earth mother buffalo. Come back wearing nothing but hemp sandals and necklaces of coyote teeth. That's what they need to do. That's what ENTS needs to do. They need a spiritual cleansing. Get off all the Red Bulls. Go gluten-free, vegan, no sugar, no fat, no phones. No nothing, Alu. Cancel your Instagrams. Delete your Facebooks. Go through systematically and delete one by one everything they've ever posted up onto the internet. Scrub their socials. Change their passwords into gibberish so they can never connect, connect to those things again. And finally, ENTS need to jump into the river. And not just any river, something truly filthy, something that animals shit in. A particularly stagnant part of the Ganges. Get in there amongst the mud and the cow piss and lather up so there's shit all over, just caking you, in your mouths, on Sonny's hair. Make sure Sergei dunks his head right under, every crack and crevice. Then climb out and dry off in the sun until it's caked. And I mean caked in a layer of pure tarnish, a layer of undiluted, germ-ridden mother nature. And then ants need to climb a fucking mountain until the sweat pours down, until the sweat soaks in, until they're lightheaded with the altitude and find a pure, clear, crystal, freezing mountain spring and wash all the shit off. Wash it all off and sit up there for a week just bathing and shitting and exfoliating with pebbles and then come back down and hop in the server and that's what Ents needs. And MIBR, while we're at it, should probably hitch a ride with them too. Now North went down in the semi-finals 2-0 to Gen G very closely. They were 16-13 on Dust 2 and 16-14 on Mirage. These are the kind of maps that really could have gone either way but the mentality on Gen G just looks ridiculously calm. North could definitely have looked worse, but considering there's a lot of history with that roster, they'll probably be coming out of this pretty disappointed. I have, a, I have this weird feeling that last time um, MSL was on North, he was always going, we need more time, we need more time. Another month, two months, three months. In six months' time, this roster will be right. It's like, mate, you've been with that roster for two years. What's going on? North's map pool at the moment looks very weak, save for Vertigo and Nuke. Two maps you might have had a hard time getting to play in a best of three these days, so they need some more time <laughs> again. Now, let's just move on to the final last bit of news before my energy and throat gives out entirely. Um, I have been playing a bit of CSGO recently, or at least I was last week, uh, which was nice. I had to go to an internet cafe. I felt like a 15-year-old. One thing I did notice is that my aim was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And I think it actually comes down to a perfect clarity of mind. I think clarity of mind has far more to do with actual aim than we think and one of the reasons is because aim is often uh labeled as mechanical skill and it's not mechanical at all i mean in some ways it is but i actually think the way your mind is working at the time makes such a difference on where your how your neurons are firing to tell your hand what to do or whatever the science of it is i think i think it makes a lot of difference, not just for how you play the game and what you're doing in tactics and whatever and being aware, but also for the way you aim. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So at this internet cafe, I actually played with a way better mouse and keyboard and basically screen as well than I ever played with at home. Um, and so maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, Cash, I actually played for the first time since it came out. That's a colorful rainbow mess. And I think the more um, CS goes in that direction, the less I probably like it. I think the more CS kind of stays like itself, actually, at this point, the more I will love it. When these patches came in recently um, that you could put on the um, the players, the, the character models, I wasn't too keen. I think 
there's truth in the idea, and I th- maybe I read this on Reddit. Someone, someone cleverer than me, and posted it on the uh, update um, vis-a-vis the colorful patches you can now buy to put on your characters. The more CS:GO has to create cosmetic items to keep their profits at the same levels as they used to be, the crazier it's going to look, uh, just because. That's what happens as extra content, extra visual content is created. The more outlandish and garish these colors are going to become until uh, CS might end up looking something like Saints Row, which I hate. I hate that idea. And I think we see, um, personally anyway, some of the drawback of that sort of mentality in the new game Valorant. Uh, caused a bit of a splash last week when some of the beta gameplay was uh, came out. People like Swag decided they would quit CSGO and become professional <laughs> uh, Valorant players when that game comes out. If you've been living under another rock, this is the new shooter from Riot, the makers of League of Legends. And it's basically a cross between Counter-Strike and Overwatch. It's Counter-Strike with magic powers. Um, this is a game I will not be playing uh, at all, basically. Pretty much for the same reasons I don't play Overwatch. Uh, it's cartoony. There's character quips all through it. And they're the sort of cheesy, cringy character quips that you would get at a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, it's not for me. I will not be going to uh, play this game. Now, one of the things that uh, you might have caught on my Twitter while Katowice was going on was the CSGO workout routine. And I'm going to go through it for all those who missed it. Basically, when Katowice rolled around, I realized I was going to be doing a watching, going to be doing a lot of CS:GO watching in a very short period of time, and I didn't have time to watch all the games I wanted to do, and so I wanted to kill a few birds with the same stone. One of these was working out while watching CS:GO, so I devised a little routine that I smashed uh, on several games, and I'm just going to read it out to you if you're interested in getting a bit of a workout in while CS:GO is happening. I'm not a not, not much of a gym person, so this is the sort of workout you can do in your room or in a park. Uh, So basically, when a game starts, pro game, I'm not talking about you guys playing, I'm talking about you watching it. The pistol round, for the pistol round and the knife round, if you have a knife round, that's all stretching, right? Do some stretches. If you don't know what to stretch, look up a stretch. Then basically we have a series of eight different exercises that you will do in eight sets each, and each exercise changes with each round. So the moment the round starts, you start doing the exercise, and the moment either the bomb explodes or the round is over because one of the teams has been killed, then the uh, exercise stops <coughs> and you rest uh, until the next round begins. If there's a tactical timeout, you plank for the entire tactical timeout, and during overtime, the rounds keep cycling. So here are the rounds. Round one, you do star jumps. Round two, you do squats. Round three, you do mountain climbers. Round four, lunges. Round five, uh, I don't know the name of this exercise, but basically you're in a push-up position and you bring your knees up to your opposite hands. Round six, you do hand switches, which is kind of like the same thing. You're in a push-up position, but you move the hands uh, to the left and right under the other opposite hand. Uh, Round seven, you do burpees. Round eight, you do straight punches. And then, as I said, you repeat. Now, there's a lot of upper body stuff and facing down stuff because if you do any sit-ups or anything then you can't keep watching (laughs) the game which i assume if you're like me is probably on a phone on the ground so there you go get involved in that if you want to stay fit and yet still watch counter-strike at the same time i highly recommend it um if things go to overtime 
uh, can get a little hairy. <laughs> but um, one of these games a night should be enough to keep you fighting fit. Uh, now, finally, we're going to end this with a little screenshot from something I was reading. And it's not really relevant to anything we've talked about today. I just found it in a screenshot today in uh, you know, some old pictures that I was cleaning up on my uh, computer. And it is relevant to the podcast as a whole because this podcast, as I've mentioned before, is run along the lines of um, maybe slightly different to other podcasts where my opinions are generally um, are fairly speculative and either because of or as well as that, I am not so... I don't put so much of an emphasis on having a really strong opinion on things. Um, and I've spoken about championing the value of uncertainty of this podcast before. With that in mind, this is what the quote was, and I don't remember where it was from, but uh, if, you don't, if you know, get in touch. I think it was just a book I read last year. Nobody thinks clearly, no matter what they pretend. Thinking's a dizzy business, a matter of catching as many of those foggy glimpses as you can and fitting them together the best you can. That's why people hang on so tight to their beliefs and opinions, because compared to the haphazard way in which they're arrived at, even the goofiest opinion seems wonderfully clear, sane, and self-evident. And if you let it get away from you, then you've got to dive back into that foggy muddle to wrangle yourself out another to take its place. That was a cool quote, especially in this age of social media, where we're all uh, heavily invested because of the way the algorithms work in having the most extreme opinions and sticking to them no matter what. This podcast is brought to you by CSGO to Asia in an emotional sense. Uh, you can get in touch, the truth at the truth csgo.com. If you're in Atlanta, let us know. Have it, we'll have a beer and watch some of Flashpoint together. Um, and I think that's basically it. Oh, yeah, the Twitter is at the truth csgo. I really need to get to bed because I'm delirious. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy the game and enjoy Flashpoint. Mm-hmm.